Hello, and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Rizzo, and I'm the host of the show where I get to interview Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path to the games. Today, we have three-time Olympian Taylor Fletcher joining us. Taylor is a little bit older, a little bit wiser, and obviously very much more experienced than many of the people that we've had on the show. So it was very cool getting to hear his perspective, everything he's been through. Um, with he's a, a competes at Nordic Combined, which is ski jumping and cross country. We get very deep into that and get a very great explanation of the sport. But part of the way along Taylor's journey, Nordic Combined was actually essentially kicked out of USA and Ski and Snowboard, the national governing body, and they had to create their own. Um, so he has a very unique perspective being in both systems, seeing the change through, still being a part of it, still trying to do, um, uphold what they were trying to do as well as bring some of the younger guys along. So very cool uh, perspective from Taylor, a lot of great wisdom, very down to earth guy with a lot, a lot, a lot of good information. So thank you so much to Taylor for being on the show today. Um, before his interview though, have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? It is my favorite part of every day and I absolutely love it. Uh, three reasons why I wanted to start it. I wanted to build my brand. I wanted to create relationships and I wanted to become a thought leader on an important topic to me, which is Olympic athletes, what they have to go through and how they have to go through it. So by speaking to so many, around 100 now, I feel like I'm starting to gain some of that knowledge. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, it's also a lot of fun, as I said, and I learned every single thing I know from Rob Cressy over at launchingpodcasts.com. You can go over there, you can get $50 off their course by using promo code Mike. That's promo code Mike at checkout at launchingpodcast.com. You have $50 off. So without further ado, here's Taylor. All right, all right. Today's special guest, Taylor Fletcher of USA Nordic Combined, three-time Olympian. Congratulations, Taylor. Pleasure Thank is, you. though. No, the pleasure is all mine, I believe me. Um, born May 11th. Happy birthday to you and my mom coming up soon. 1990 in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Uh, by four years old, Taylor was enrolled at the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club and started learning Nordic Combined right off the bat. So I think that that's incredible. That is the cross-country skiing as well as ski jumping at four. I've never been on a set of skis, and I'm 27, so maybe I can learn a thing or two. Uh, 2009, he was named to the U.S. national team. Uh, immediately after that, essentially, he won his con first Continental Cup uh, at Lake Placid, which is cool, and then his first World Cup. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce the name, but it is in Italy, and it sounds gorgeous, so that's important. He was then named to the 2010 Olympic team after that, uh, has been to the 2010, 14, and 18 Olympic Games. He has three World Cup podiums, one of which was a team, and a World Championship team medal as well. Taylor. Thanks for hanging out with me today, man. I appreciate it. No, thank you. It's awesome. Again, you're the Olympian. I'm just the dude asking some questions. So, uh, yeah, let's rock and roll. So, uh, growing up and by four, learning how to ski Nordic combined, you have a very unique uh, path, let's call it. I would love to start from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about your family, your friends, and uh, getting on this journey very, very soon. Well, uh, starting off, I grew up in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, which uh, – Many people know it as Ski Town USA. Um, we have Mount Warner, as well as one of the oldest ski resorts uh, in the nation, which is Hollison Hill. Uh, I was very fortunate to be able to grow up there, and and you have these magnificent ski jumps. They're large, they're bold, um, and as a young boy, you know you want to jump off every single thing you possibly can. Uh, so that was always kind of a uh, an appealing view, something that we always saw while we were driving down Hallison Hill, 
uh, down Main Street. It was clear to see it all the time. But uh, really, when it took off, uh, it was because I had a very supportive family system. Um, my parents got divorced at a, at a young age, but my uh, my father was ski patrol up on the Mount Warner uh, ski resort in Steamboat and got us on skis at a very young age. Um, I was one of those kids that uh, was learning to walk while he got thrown into ski boots. Uh, and that definitely helped stand me up because you can't really move in ski boots when you're two years old. So I was on skis very quickly learning how to ski. Um, and that kind of installed a great, uh, atmosphere for me because it was uh, a passion of mine at an early age and it kind of developed into what the next sport was, which was Nordic combined. And for me, I didn't really have too much of a choice. Uh, I actually started in hockey, but uh, I found out very quickly that I could not stop. And <laughs> so that made it uh, a little bit of a challenge for me. And because I have an older brother that's four years older, who was a teammate of mine up until this last year, I kind of just followed his footsteps. I was that uh, typical younger brother that's chasing his older brother around, trying to beat him in pretty much anything possible. Um, and that came up to Nordic Combined. So I love it, man. I started there and, and uh, put my head down. And uh, I think my head's still down a little bit because I'm still going. As it should be, um, as it should be. So yeah, I mean that's that's pretty great. That's a very cute story. You can't fall down if you're in ski boots. I, I like that. I haven't heard that one yet. So good stuff. I do love it. Um, so I know, obviously, as you said, you're you're you have you have, how many brothers? You have three. No, uh, just one brother. Oh, just one. Where did three yeah. come from? I don't know. Um, so you have your brother. You have your dad. Obviously, they're huge, um, important members of you know your, not just your family but like reasons why your life is the way it is um mm -hmm. so i think it's cool obviously i'm sure your older brother taught you everything you know so that's why you're so much better um at at, at skiing Absolutely. than everybody else right um so i think that that's really cool so one thing i want to do is i want to understand what exactly nordic combined is um, as I, as I told you off air, you know, I want to make sure people are understanding of some of these sports that we really only watch once every four years. I'm going to watch it cause it's the Olympics, right? I don't yeah. know what I'm watching. I learn, I relearn curling every four years and I love it yeah. every time. So, um, could you just explain a little bit about what exactly it is, kind of where it comes from, maybe some history behind it and what you love about it so much. So with all Nordic sports, uh, they are very Scandinavian based, um, Norway, Sweden, Finland, they kind of gave birth to uh, cross-country skiing, alp, uh, some alpine, really uh, ski jumping, and uh, Nordic combined. Uh, there's a saying that Norwegian children are born with skis on their feet. Um, you were pretty close, it sounds like. It's pretty, pretty close. I mean, uh, they are very active in sports from a young age over there, and they're all in love with Nordic sports. Uh, and Nordic combined kind of takes the Nordic sports and puts them all together to create one sport where you have ski jumping and cross country skiing where Nordic combined comes to place is you are a ski jumper first. And depending on how you jump, you then start a cross country race trying to make up the deficit that you gave yourself after the jumping. Mm -hmm. um, and you race around a track, try to catch as many people and hopefully you cross the finish line first after 
a set distance. And our sport, normally we do 10 kilometers, which is 6.2 miles. Um, and it's broken up into four laps and you hope to be the first one to cross the finish line. Nice but and oh. it gets difficult because ski jumping is a very challenging sport and you could be one second back. You could be five minutes back. Mm-hmm. It's all dependent on how you ski jump. And then you have to ski your heart out and hopefully, uh, be able to make up that time. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So it's not a time trial when it comes to, it's just the better you ski, the sooner you start. And then whoever wins, wins. That's very interesting. Um, where is your, where's your forte? Is it more in the jumping? Is it more in the, in the long distance or have you been able to kind of bring those two to this uh, same level? So it's, it's very funny. I get that question a lot. Oh man, I'm sorry. um, (laughs) I always tell people that ski jumping is my favorite. There's no other feeling than flying. And, you know, we are essentially flying uh, down this hill and uh, through the air. And it's such a surreal feeling. It, you don't, it's, a, I haven't base jumped. I haven't, you know, jumped off a bridge or anything, but it, it just feels amazing. Mm-hmm. But I am way better at the cross country side. Ah. So I have that, that conundrum there where I love ski jumping, but I'm, I'm, significantly better on the cross country um i've been fortunate to be one of the fastest guys on the cross country side for nordic combined for the last um seven years or so and i've always struggled a little bit on the jumping side so the days that i have a good jump and do my thing on the cross country usually end up uh fairly fairly well for me but it's uh that's been the challenge. Mm-hmm. Is there ever, so ski jumping's first, is there ever kind of like a, like I'm shooting for, if I can be top 15, if I can be top 10, is there like kind of a place that you're shooting for that way, you know, you'll at least have a shot towards the end. Not so much a place, but more of a time. Um, I know oh, okay. that. Uh, so I just want to clarify. So the, the further you go, the sooner you start. Yes. Yeah, so I'll, I'll okay. explain that a little yeah. bit. Sorry, um, sorry, sorry. You're, everyone starts from essentially the same gate. Um, and the furthest jump usually is the winner of the competition, given that he puts in a nice landing, Mm -hmm. you have, uh, distance points for every meter that you go. So if you go to the calculation line, which is 90 meters on some Hills, you're going to get 60 points for every meter shorter of that. You lose two points for every meter past that you get two points. Mm -hmm. So, the goal is to always get more than 60 points for distance. Well, then you have five judges that are on the side of the hill that watch your flight and they judge you on symmetry, uh, you know, your body position and as well as the distance. So the further you go with a nice landing, you're going to get more points. The highest and the lowest scores are dropped, leaving you three judges scores. Mm-hmm. Um, a perfect score would be 60 points, which is very hard to come by. But then that score, your style score and your distance score are added together, giving you your total points. So if the winner of the ski jumping has 115 points and I have 100 points, I'm going to start one minute behind him. So mm. 15 points is a minute. Four points is 16 seconds. Mm-hmm. One point is four seconds. Um, you can kind of do the math and yeah, yeah, yeah. figure out your time. So then the winner of the jumping starts at zero zero. Um, 
and you could have 40 guys within a minute. You could have four guys within a minute. Uh, every hill is different. And you then race around the track uh, a certain amount of times, depending on the course length and the distance. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to overtake everyone that you pass and beat them to the finish line. Awesome. And okay. That person that crosses yeah. the finish line first wins. Mm-hmm. Unlike uh, traditional cross country where it's just the fastest time wins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, but, cool, cool, cool. That makes, that makes a lot more sense. Awesome. Thank you for that thorough explanation. Yeah. Um, so, so again, okay. And then going back to my, my question, like what are, I guess, what's, what are the points you're looking for or how far back do you, you try and at least get to considering, as you said, it's not really your, you're much better on the cross country side. So a goal of mine is to be on the podium and of course for that to happen, I need to be within about a minute. Um, mm-hmm. some days it can be a little bit more, maybe a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to be within that distance or that time to be able to make it up and to be able to be fresh enough to put in that last hard effort when it comes down to the finish line. Um, that being said, you know, there's good ski jumpers and there's good cross country skiers. And then there's always that select few that are good at both. Mm -hmm. Um, so depending on where they jump, then you kind of look at it and be like, okay, I could be two minutes back, but the next good skier might only be, you know, 30 seconds back from the leader. So then I'm realistically a minute and a half from Mm -hmm. contention. Um, And so one of my podiums uh, was actually in Sapporo, Japan, and I was two minutes and two seconds behind the leader. Wow. But the winner of the jumping wasn't a good cross-country skier. He was super slow. So then I had, I think, 30 seconds uh, less to really catch up, and so I was about a minute and a half from second place. Um, and third place was actually another like 15 seconds back. So realistically, I wasn't super far from contention, Mm -hmm. but I was from the leader. I was two minutes back. So, Mm -hmm. uh, every race is different and you could have literally half the field within a minute. Um, you could have half the field within 40 seconds. Um, other times it gets super spread out. So every race is different. And I think that's really what makes Nordic combined exciting. That is pretty cool. Yeah. That, that's very interesting. There's not too many sports like that. I mean, there's, you know, like the decathlon, the, the, the pentathlon, but it's not, it's not quite done that way. It's more points based. And, and so, so I think that that's really cool. So what other than that, I mean, what, what do you really love about Nordic combined and what kept you in something for you know, 25 years at this point? Well, I found out that at a very young age that I had the gift and the endurance um, sport. And I, I've been very fortunate because uh, not that many people can push their bodies to the limit like we do on mm-hmm. every single weekend. Um, and I, I love being outside and I love being able to, you know, go for a long time. But really what did it for me is um, – this isn't a job necessarily. It's a, it's a lifestyle for me. And, and I've been fortunate to be able to travel the world for, um, well over a decade now, uh, going to these beautiful places and, and competing, representing team USA. And, and that's the honor for me. Um, competing on a daily or on a weekend basis is amazing, but, uh, 
the places that I've been and, and the people I've met, the cultures that I've experienced are, you know, far better. Yeah, that is, it is pretty sick. Um, yeah, very jealous. <laughs> envious, envious. I'm envious, not jealous, envious. Um, that is, that is very cool, man. Well, congratulations. And thank you for the explanation of, of what yeah. you love about it and the sport and a little history too. Mm-hmm. Something about those Scandinavians, they love putting themselves yeah. through torturous times. It sounds like, but yeah, hey, it's, uh, it's crazy. It works for people, man. Um, all right, cool. So let's, let's jump into your career a little bit more. So 2009 is when you were named to the national team. How do you get named to the national team? How does that process it, work? It starts, you know, we have a pipeline. Um, okay. Really, you know, it's like every other sport. Like you, you start in a young, young age. You, you know, progress to the next level. You get noticed. Uh, kind of like the draft where you go from high school, you get go to a, a good mm-hmm. college. If you're a good high school player, that college then – uh, promotes you and gets you to become a good college athlete. And hopefully you get selected by the NFL. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we have kind of a national circuit for ski jumping and Nordic combined cross country, uh, here in the U S and you are hoping to produce good results at young ages, um, and show that you have the talent to possibly be named to the national team. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, I was always one of those guys that, since I was following my older brother, Brian, I was always kind of training with an older group and found that I was having good success and good results. And before I knew it, I was winning, uh, junior Olympics, uh, North American junior championships, kind of the, the stepping stones of the the career. And, um, in 2009, after having good results at world juniors, uh, and winning, North American championships and junior Olympics. I got selected to be on to the national team. Um, and I was one of three athletes that year to be named. So they essentially ask you to pack up your bags and move to park city so that you can train with, uh, the whole team. And mm-hmm. at that time we had world champions, uh, Olympic champions, um, you know, a a team full of experience, great knowledge, uh, leadership. Um, and they were really kind of some of the idols that I had looked up to my whole career as a junior athlete. And now I was being put on the same team as them. So Mm -hmm. I moved here to park city in May of 2009 and, uh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) exactly. I was that young giddy athlete that was just excited to come train with these guys. And that made my job easy because I knew what they were doing was good. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of had to follow their path. And realistically that first year on the team, I was a shadow to Billy DeMong and Johnny Spillane, my brother, Brian, um, and all the older guys on the team. I just kind of kept my head down, was quiet, didn't speak up to them and just kind of, mirrored whatever they did on a daily basis mm-hmm. and that's the way to do it man i mean yeah. mentorship you don't need direct communication for mentorship you just need to see what they're doing and and take it upon yourself to do that um it's, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel it definitely goes by lead by example mm-hmm. um i kind of just followed by example and yeah. and that worked really well for me that's awesome man and so ego does not seem like it's a very um pertinent thing i mean we all have a little bit of some but like what was that like at such a young age again like going from looking at these 
gentlemen and, and these guys and girls as idols to now your peers. Now, obviously not one-to-one peers, but your peers, your coworkers, you're on essentially the same level. What was that like? And how did you handle that like internally and mentally making sure that you didn't kind of get too big of a head? Well, for me, you'll soon find out and realize that I'm an extremely competitive person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't necessarily hate losing, but I really always want to win. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's how it is across all aspects of, of sport for me. But, uh, when I got named to the team in 2009, um, we'll take a little step back here. 2003 was the first world championship medal that us Nordic combined has ever won. Oh, okay. Um, that was Johnny Splane, won gold in Val de Fiem, Italy. Hey. 2007, um, uh, Billy DeMong was silver in Sapporo, Japan. In 2009, they won every single individual event. Um, Todd Lauderick won two, and Billy won uh, the third. And they probably would have gotten a world championship medal, but there was this famous incident where Billy DeMong lost his bib and got the team disqualified. So they missed out on that. Well, then I came along in 2009, 2010 with a team that was on fire and Mm -hmm. they had worked and trained together for over a decade. They knew what they were doing Mm -hmm. and it was simple for me to just sit back and kind of follow them. Um, Yeah. I wanted to beat all of them and I tried to beat them on a daily basis but, you know, I had no place to be able to tell them what to do and nor did I even want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so the Olympics were coming up and I knew that those guys were going to be training their hearts out to be at, you know, the top of their game come the Olympics. And uh, I just kind of had to follow them. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. That's incredible. And yeah, that's, again, that's, that's the way to do it. Clearly, um, these guys knew what they were doing if they were dominating in that sort of fashion. So, so then in 2010 is when you won you, you, your first world cup, correct? Or was that 2009? So I went to my first world world cup, the winner of 2009, 2010. Okay. So it was that um, season. All right. And I got that world cup start because I had got my first continental cup mm-hmm. Podiums. Mm-hmm. So, so i just wanted to make sure that the timeline is incredible how you know they they were crushing it and then you came along and clearly started doing something right because you were already um put onto the world cup scene um yeah so let's so so you go from the national team you win your then you go and you won your first continental cup correct and uh, i was Placid. actually i was third oh um, okay i apologize that's okay. I, I uh, unfortunately missed it in a sprint finish with a lunge and the top three were so close together that I was third. But uh, yeah, that was, that was the first big step in my career mm-hmm. and the coaches took notice and I qualified to be on the world cup for the, the next period of competitions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is some momentum. I mean, in like a very short amount of time being named to the national team, going in and getting a podium at a continental cup, then being named to the world cup team yep. and then being named to the Olympics. I mean, like how, what, how many months are we talking? Is that like a 12 month span, 15 months? So, all I that happens named, in named to the national team in uh, May of 2009 and trained the whole summer. The first continental cups were in December of 2009. 
Um, and I got mine right before Christmas. And then your birthday, your Christmas, man, you are just rolling in presents. (laughs) And then I actually remember I spent the night in a German hotel on New Year's um, and had competitions that weekend um, right after New Year's in 2010. And that's when I skied my first World Cups. uh, And I was really close to scoring points in the first one. Um, I actually was 31st and 32nd and top 30 score points. Um, so that gave me the, the fuel to try a little bit more going into the next weekend. Um, and the, the first day didn't go very well. I actually crashed uh, in the first competition in Italy. Um, but then the second day was kind of a, a special event where it was a hill climb after the jumping up to the top of a ski resort. Um, and I knew that fit me perfect. So jumping wasn't the greatest. I started in 60th, but the cross country went really well. And I skied all the way up to 29th scoring my first world Mm -hmm. cup points, um, which got me the start to go to the next, uh, world cup weekend, which is where I got named to the Olympic team. That's incredible, man going into the Olympics, which is always in February. Um, I got to do the whole kind of, uh, training camp for the Olympic team Uh here in park city in soldier hollow. And then we flew up to the Olympic games, uh, where we were there for about a month, um, for the the whole, Mm -hmm. whole show. So that is awesome. Yeah, it was, it was really crazy. It all kind of was a whirlwind experience, but it was also very tough because uh, that fifth spot on the Olympics was down between three guys. And mm-hmm. one of those guys was my brother. And Ooh. so uh, we both knew that there was a chance that one of us was going to go, but uh, I never expected coming in that first year that I'd make the Olympic team. Mm-hmm. I was 19 years old. Um, I just didn't expect it. But uh, I just put my hard work in and, and was dedicated and motivated, and it came through. And unfortunately, my brother had uh, an injury kind of right before the final selection period that they weren't sure he was going to be at 100%. Um, and they were confident that I could produce uh, good results. So they kind of went with me, and that's how I made it. That is Wow. That is intense. Um, what is that moment like? I mean, obviously you're extremely excited for yourself and and reaching an an unbelievable goal, but also at the same time, kind of looking across the dinner table and realizing your poor brother does not get to really fully share uh, that with you. There's a kind of a a fun story about it. Um, now that my brother's been to two Olympics and, um, you know, had success on the circuit, it's not so, bad anymore and we kind of laugh about it but I got named um and I was told kind of about a week and a half before he was told that he wasn't going Mm. and I went uh from the world cups to uh meet up with the team before we were going to world juniors for uh that season and kind of everybody but the top guys were uh all together in this town hinters art in Germany and I had known that I was going and I told the, 
you know, some of the younger guys that I was with that were my friends and teammates, I was like, Hey, whatever we do, I cannot room with Brian. Like, do not <laughs> want to room with my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, because I knew that they were going to find out that they weren't going. Um, well, they didn't listen to me. So I'm rooming with my brother. He gets called down for a, a meeting with the coaches and I knew this is what was going to happen. Um, and you know, the, in Europe, these rooms are small. You sleep on, uh, you know, kind of like a, a full size bed and, or they're two twins pushed together. And so you're like essentially sleeping in the same bed as someone. Well, that's what happened. And I was with Brian. So it was a little bit of a challenge because I knew he was going to be super pissed and, and angry. So I ended up sleeping on the couch that night after he had found out because he was really disappointed mm-hmm. that he wasn't going. Obviously he was happy that I was going, but at the same time, you know, he was bummed that it wasn't him. Wow. Yeah, that is, that, that's really nice that you slept on the couch and <laughs> yeah. give him the whole bed. That's very nice of you. Oh man. Yeah. That is a, uh, thankfully it's, kind of happy ending you've been to three he's been to two i think that's pretty incredible um but that first one man especially with you being younger and you know the the family dynamic obviously as we already spoke about uh that is that takes that takes something uh and thankfully you have it because i don't think i'd be able to do something like that so really appreciate you being able to go through with that so um on a happier note you went to the olympics 2010 um you rode this wave of momentum it seems like you put in the hard work and you got there i mean what was that experience like at such a young age um being there and and what were your expectations going into it and kind of what were you trying to get out of being at this incredible event i mean i was there i never expected to compete um i kind of you can ski four guys you can uh you're able to essentially take five guys to make sure if someone gets hurt that they Mm -hmm. have the opportunity to be switched out and normally you don't switch out guys, uh, even if they're healthy, mm-hmm. you keep the, the four top guys in the competition. Well, so I was there, I was taking in every moment. I was having fun, um, watching the events, helping the team. Well, after the team had won, uh, the team Olympic medal getting silver place or second place, uh, one of the guys was like, I don't want to compete in the next day. I want to take in this, this atmosphere of winning a medal and uh, have fun and, and celebrate with friends and family. And so they put me in and I, I wasn't necessarily maybe ready to compete mm-hmm. uh, because I was, I was so nervous and had no experience, but they, uh, they put me in there and unfortunately the day didn't go very well for me, but it went really well for the team because mm-hmm. uh, Billy won gold and Johnny won silver. So mm. we had two medals, but uh, I actually got last place. Hey, um, nowhere to go day, but up. <laughs> <laughs> on a day that was very difficult, they actually restarted the jumping round. And um, so we were there for several hours waiting to jump, and um, it was a challenge. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just being at that, that Olympics with the, the team – having so much success kind of gave me uh, a clear insight of what we needed to do and, and how we needed to proceed. And, uh, I mean, that was kind of the fire to jumpstart the rest of my career. Yeah, man, that is incredible. I mean, how many people were in that race? You remember? 
45 was what I got. Okay, um, so, so you were you yeah, were top forty five top forty five in the world. Let's say if you say it like yeah. that, it sounds a lot cooler, right? Like that's yeah, incredible, man. That way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top forty five in the world at anything, dude. I take top forty five hundred in the world at anything. I promise yeah, you that. Exactly. So that is incredible. Um, that is so cool. Um, that you had that opportunity, especially at such a young age. And so, so the competition didn't go great. Whatever. What was the experience like? And what was like because. You know, they always say in sports, I know, I know you're, uh, you, you know, you watch football and everything as well, but you're, you always kind of have to learn to lose before you can learn to win, right? That's always kind of like a common narrative a lot. Um, so what was that experience like, at least taking in the, like, the atmosphere of being there? Because if you went the next time, it's, you know, it's a shock to the system again, at least this time you have something. So what was the experience and what was the atmosphere and what did you take in outside of the competition? Really, I mean, being at the Olympics at 19, you you learn to appreciate the magnitude of the event. Um, in reality, it's the level of competition is no different than a World Cup. Uh, the same guys are at World Cups that are at the Olympics. But what makes the Olympics so big is the media coverage, the, the spectators, mm-hmm. the, the pressure that's put on you. Because becoming an Olympic champion is uh, based on a single day. Mm-hmm. You don't become an Olympic champion from winning World Cups. You become the Olympic champion from winning that day mm-hmm. um, on that event. And so that puts a lot of pressure on you and causes you to really uh, try to perform at your highest level. Mm-hmm. Um, and at 19, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what pressure was. Uh, but I knew that to be able to win a medal, you have to be on, on your game and, you know, you have to really has, have a grasp of what you need to do to be there and watching the world's best athletes, you know, do their daily routine, how they prepare for the competition was the best thing. Um, and being able to just kind of experience what the Olympics is all about really took off a lot of pressure coming into the next ones because it wasn't like I was this, uh, you know, red shirt freshman walking yeah. into a football, mm-hmm. uh, stadium for the first time and happened to be the quarterback. It was a lot easier for me cause I knew that, uh, all the procedures that you have to go through and all the expectations going into that event are just a lot less having mm-hmm. come around again. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think it's incredible. And I think it's one of the the best things that can happen for any athlete is if you have that opportunity. Hey, man, again, top 45 in the world at something is pretty darn cool. Um, but it's the experience, it's understanding, as you said, the magnitude. And, and uh, you know, I know, as you said, these your, your sport specifically, and, and, you know, a lot of the Nordic sports are huge in the Scandinavian countries and, and, and most of Europe. So I've been told, you know, you can ski in front of 20, 30,000 people. Um, you know, I, I can't remember which, uh, who told me, it might have been but she said something like yeah we can get in front of a hundred thousand people if we go to oslo it's like that's crazy there's way less people at the olympics it's just as you said the magnitude and and the pressure around it um i think is really interesting and uh uh, just to just to your story one one thing i like i like players so i'm a huge uh football fan and russell wilson i think is incredible and when he was coming up the year his rookie year they lost in the playoffs but he went to the super bowl he went, he took it in, he was there the whole time, just like the players were, and, and really sucked it in. And the next year, look at that, he went to the Super Bowl, not as many nerves because he's been there, he understands it, and they go and they win. Um, 
year after that they didn't which is unfortunate but it is yeah um, but no i just again to that point i just think it's super cool and the opportunity there was incredible so um jumping ahead in the story so 2010 you make your first olympics 2014 you make your second what happened in between there um any any uh news and noteworthy um yeah uh, anything along those lines i'm sure you didn't sit on your couch for four years right yeah no absolutely uh 2010 was a, a really cool year um, and kind of was the jump start to my career. And mm-hmm. uh, 2011, I got a couple more Continental Cup podiums, scored World Cup points again. Uh, but it really came together in 2012, 2013, that season. Um, you know, I had a couple of years after the Olympics and um, I, I could see that I was steadily progressing. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really cool. And then I came into 2012, 2013. I was like, okay, like I know what I'm doing. I still have these uh, veterans on the team that are help pushing me. Uh, but there, there was one guy really in particular uh, besides my brother it was Billy DeMong. Uh, we had this kind of friendly bet uh, the previous year where we took all the times from the previous races and whoever had the fastest combined time over mm-hmm. the course of the winter became the winner of this bet. The loser mm-hmm. unfortunately had to wear a captain America costume yeah. for a two week training camp in Europe. Oh, so wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm over here, uh, this young American wearing this hideous, uh, you know, puffy costume uh-huh. to breakfast, to lunch, to dinner, walking around town, I had a face mask, everything, uh, for an entire two weeks. The only exception was I didn't have to wear it when I was jumping and I didn't have to wear it when I was, uh, doing cross country training. Mm -hmm. Um, but every other time it was just as embarrassing. So that kind of kickstarted me a little bit more because I knew that I didn't want to lose again coming into the next winter. And, uh, I really just hit the training, right. And I came in that winter and the first competition of the 2012-2013 season, I had the fastest time in the first race. So that was kind of like a, a big victory in my book because it's hard to become one of the fastest guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to have that at the first event of the season was really, really cool. So uh, that was that was a win. And right away, it was easy for me because – I, I knew that my cross country skiing was good. And so that I could just kind of focus on the ski jumping side a little bit more. And I did just that and was able to see that every single event during the winter, it was just getting slightly better, slightly Mm -hmm. better. Wasn't making large jumps, uh, on a, a weekend basis, but it'd be like, okay, I'm top 30. I'm top 20 and top 15 mm-hmm. top 10 uh, i got my first top 10 that winter on world cup in austria uh right before christmas again and came off the new year's break with a lot of energy and and determination and the next events i got another top 10 and then we went to seyfeld austria um and this place is is magical it's beautiful it's it's really a, it a sounds cool place. gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. It sounds beautiful. <laughs> and, uh, I had a really good jump the first day of competition and my head coach at the time, Dave Jarrett, uh, was like, you have a chance of beating my best result. 
which was 10th place. And uh, before I knew it, I was in a group of about five guys uh, fighting it out for the podium. And I was skiing really fast. And so I knew that not many of the guys would be able to hang with me uh, if I just really went for it. And I, with about two kilometers left, 1.2 miles, I truly just went for it and tried to drop everybody. Um, there was one guy that got away from me uh, that went on to win it, but I was going into the finishing stretch and there was a slight U-turn in the course. And then it was like a hundred meters to the finish line. Uh, at that point I was second place. I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to get a podium. I'm going to get a podium. Well, these bigger guys just came storming past me and I finished fifth. Mm. So I was like kind of bummed because I was so close to getting this podium, but also like I lost it so easily going mm. into the finish that I was like a little bummed, but also extremely stoked because I just set a new personal best. Yeah. Well, the next day came around, uh, I had just as good of a jump and I knew that I was always slightly better racing on the second day for some reason. So I just tried to do the same thing. And, uh, I ended up dropping everybody and going into a, a three up sprint, uh, for the podium. And, uh, two guys beat me this time, but, um, I was the last guy in the group and I mm -hmm. finished third. So I, I finally got that world cup podium, which was really cool. And it came at a really good time because, uh, in about, three weeks were world championships and uh i was hungry and and ready to perform well but we had a couple more stops in between there and uh one of them was a test event at the olympic site for sochi and mm -hmm. uh this would have been one of my first trips to russia and i had one of my best ski jumps there and uh raced really hard didn't get on the podium but i was fifth place uh just a handful of seconds off the podium and that just gave me a little bit more kick to get going. Um, I finished up that season really strong. Uh, was close to the podium a couple more times, but, uh, we finished that year with, uh, a team event podium as well as a individual podium for myself. And we came into the Olympics as a, a team with a lot of, a lot of steam. That's awesome, man. That is, that's a good story. Both of them, uh, coming up just short. And then, yeah, if you're the, the third guy, in a three-person pack you're still gonna get on there so it still it still works man i love it um that is so cool dude that is just so cool what is it like specifically that season as you said just like seeing yourself get better like that's got to be such a cool feeling knowing that it's finally starting to not not say it didn't work before but it's it is finally you can start see it in the results like what that's like it's uh it's really really cool because it's it's not something that comes by even a lot of guys that have good results, but sometimes they have the weekends mm -hmm. in between that aren't so great. Yeah. Like I had some weekends that season that weren't the greatest, but for me, because I was a young athlete, I was every result had a significant meaning to me and to have them be better results over the weekends. It was kind of like, I can't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. that, that feeling where like everything just seems to be going right. Um, and for me, that was, uh, really, really cool. And something I still look back on even after having a couple of seasons that, uh, 
I've had another World Cup podium. And a, but that season, it just seems like everything clicked and you're trying to kind of replicate that feeling again. And that season just sticks out to me because of what happened. Got to keep chasing it, man. That's incredible. So that pretty much, again, gave you some solid momentum going into the 2014 games, already having run the course, it sounds like. Like, what was going into the games? What were, I guess, your expectations on the competition side as well as your feelings and your expectations on just the the experience and the atmosphere side again? So <laughs> that's the hard part is I just came off this season that was really good. Uh, you know, I had good, good success, had podiums, made some money, you know, all, all things good. So I knew that coming into the, the 2014 season with the Olympics, I just needed to improve a little bit, Mm -hmm. but that's the hard thing Hmm. is you can't, you can't make huge gains like that and expect to have the same result year after year. And so I came into that season we made a coaching change that season as well. Um, try to get us a little bit closer on the jump hill. And I trained my butt off, you know, hoping that I was going to be in the right place. And, uh, it actually went really poorly that next year. Um, I jumped bad. I still skied fast, but because my jumping was so bad, I wasn't skiing in, in a ton of events, uh, mm-hmm. or I was skiing super far back. Um, and wasn't being able to progress up to where I wanted to be. Um, but I still made the, the Olympic team. And, and so that was a, a success for me. But I was disappointed in myself because I'd come to these events. I'd had good results, you know, less than a year ago. And now I'm, I'm struggling to get those results. But that's the nature of our sport is it's so hot or cold. Mm-hmm. You either – jumping really well and skiing fast or you're struggling on the jumping and you're trying to claw back as much time as you possibly can. And for me, not jumping well, I just put so much pressure on myself on the cross country that I was getting tired. I was physically beat, mm-hmm. uh, but I still had something to fight for. And that was making that Olympic team. And, uh, I skied, skied well through the most of the year on the cross-country side, which gave me that advantage over some of the other guys. Uh, and being named in my second Olympic team was really special. And what made it special was I got to share with my brother that mm-hmm. year. And That's so awesome. Having you know both of the Fletcher kids uh, at the Olympics was something of a, a special feeling for our parents, obviously. You know, my mom was extremely excited and my, my dad was there to experience everything. And that's, that was cool and, and kind of a victory in itself for us because that was the goal for us is to make the Olympic game and to do it together was special. That is awesome, man. And so I'm assuming you did not get last place this time around. Nope. Awesome. Um, there we not. go. I was 20th place the, the day on the large hill, so. That was my best finish at the Olympics. That's awesome, man. 20th place. Again, 20th in the world or something. That is just incredible. Um, but the real question is, how badly did you beat your brother? First event, he got me. Ah. Um, and the second event, I got him. Okay, so cool. I think he was like 21st or 22nd one of the days. Mm-hmm. And then 
we kind of flip-flopped, and he was, like, 30th, and I was, like, 20th, so. Okay, that's pretty uh, cool. That's kind of, that was kind of the story over our careers, is we Mm -hmm. always kind of Mm -hmm. flip-flopped. Obviously, one of us always has to be in front, but uh, we would kind of have days where we went back and forth. Some good brotherly love right there. That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool, man. Yeah, not too many people get to go to one Olympic Games. Not too many people get to go to two. Um, Not too many people get to go with a a very close sibling. Um, So I think, you know, you obviously, up to this point, we still got more, but, um, you know, you've had a pretty incredible career. And 20th place, man, again, that is is so, so cool. So, um, and then I guess going back to the experience side a little bit, because I think that's half of it, right? If not, maybe a little less, a little more. But what was that, like, what were your emotions running like that second time around knowing you're kind of a veteran at that point to most of the people that are there? Well, a lot of it has to do with kind of how your performance is. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're one of the top guys in the world on a weekly basis during the the regular season, you have a lot more pressure on you because you're expected to perform. You're expected Mm -hmm. to bring home medals for your country. Um, But the Olympics is hard because that's not always the case. You hear of these underdog stories on a, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for me, I knew things weren't going that well for me. So I knew that a medal was pretty far out of, out of chance. Um, it would have taken a special day, but that's the thing is it, a special day isn't impossible. I just needed a good jump mm-hmm. and I was in the fight. I was skiing fast but I was jumping so poorly that it was, it was tough for me to be able to get close enough to even fight for a chance. Um, but that gave me hope knowing that I just need a special, a special day, one Mm -hmm. good jump and I'm there. And -hmm. that gives you kind of the confidence that gives you the, the motivation to keep trying to keep pushing and, um, and to really give it everything you got. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And Hey, I think it's still, it's still pretty cool. And it sounds like you had a pretty good time the second time around. Um, so I guess let's, let's run into that next quad. Um, so 2010, 2014. So in between 2014 and 2018, your third Olympic games, um, USA ski and snowboard, uh, they didn't, they, they pretty much just kicked USA ski jumping and Nordic combined and cross country out. Correct. Yeah. Essentially you got to, like, there's a couple of ways you can look at yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, maybe that's not the best way to say it. How about you say what happened? I'll, I'll well, take your word for it. You, you essentially said it correctly. But the hard thing is, were these athletes – so U.S. Ski and Snowboarding is the national governing body to mm-hmm. uh, alpine, freestyle, Nordic combined, ski jumping, cross country, uh, you know, a lot of the Olympic sports that you see. Um, that involves some sort of skiing or snowboarding. So they are supposed to support us because we're a national team under their national governing body, which is now under the, so it goes to IOC, the USOC, US Olympic committee. Then it goes to us ski team and underneath the US ski team are your national teams. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to have money to support the teams. Mm-hmm. Well, after every Olympic cycle, there's a huge drop in funding. We don't bring in a ton of money because our sport's entirely based over in Europe. Uh, so we are over there. They don't get the TV viewership over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why that 
when Olympic sports come on during the Olympics, people get so engaged because they don't see it. And that's mm-hmm. why they also don't know that it happens on a yearly basis mm-hmm. every weekend of the winter. Um, well, that year there was a, a major shortfall in funding and they needed to find a way to uh, close that gap on the lost funding. Well, unfortunately, our sport made the most sense to get cut because we don't bring in the money like Michaela Schifrin or Lindsey Vaughn, Ted Ligeti did to that, uh, to the, the national governing body. So $800,000 later, we were without any money, um, without a NGB because, um, we weren't worth the, the mm-hmm. sacrifice to them. It was tough because they cited development and a future pipeline for success as one of the reasons. Well, I mean, mm. besides the Olympics that previous year, and even that year our team had good results. Um, we had just won world championship medals. I was 20, 22, 23 uh, when I won my world championship medals. And by any means, that's young for, yeah, absolutely. for a sport. So I was, I was really upset. I was really bummed. Um, Did you take that personally at all? Because, I mean, you're yeah, obviously one absolutely. of the mainstays on the team, and they're pretty much just saying you're not good enough, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was pissed. I, I was super, you know, confused on why that was the case. Like, yeah, I had a, uh, not a great year, but we still had multiple top tens on mm-hmm. the circuit from our athletes. We had young athletes that were producing good results on continental cup and at world juniors, but they, they didn't see that. And I didn't understand that. So that's why I got pissed, but, uh, we weren't going to let that cut us down and our staff, uh, and our veterans went to work on creating a sustainable organization that would allow us to, you know, achieve those dreams, you know, in the years to come. Mm-hmm. And so that's how USA Nordic took place. Um, and it involved from uh, USA Ski Jumping, who got cut in 2006. Uh, and we kind of jumped on board with them to create USA Nordic, uh, which is ski jumping and Nordic combined skiing. Uh, and where that's become in the last couple of years since the Sochi Olympics has been amazing um you know we've been able to get uh solid budgets for the teams uh and we've done a really good job of developing uh, a solid pipeline for youth athletes and we've actually just had a statistic where we were i think the third biggest nation in the world for nordic sports um a lot of the central european countries um, and up on par with some of the Scandinavian countries that, you know, originated the sport. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. And, uh, it's a lot easier now than it was in 2014 when mm-hmm. athletes had to pay a lot of money to, to ski. Um, you know, last year, even still, some of the athletes were on hook for 12 to $15,000 just because they didn't have the budget quite yet to be able to, uh, afford Mm -hmm. to pay all the athletes for the weekends that were over in competition. Wow. Well, that is, um, intense to say the least. I mean, how quick was that turnaround? Like, did you guys get notified and then, you know, you're, you're essentially just 
taking that hit and then scrambling to find a new way. And, and like, uh, that's the, the thing, like, so USA ski jumping was already gone. Was it a very tr- seamless transition where you kind of saw it coming anyway? We didn't see this coming at all. Really? Okay. Um, I think a lot of us were blindsided by it mm-hmm. because our teams won multiple world championship mm-hmm. medals, multiple Olympic cha- uh, medals. So to think of us being cut was never mm-hmm. a thought. Yeah. We were successful, you know. Um, but when it did happen, we were shocked. We were, you know, hurt. We were um, confused. But we also knew that we couldn't keep chasing our tails, asking why did this happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the veterans, the alumni of the sport, we all got together and tried to think of a way to make it work. We kind of still had some support from the, the U.S. ski team, and we're, we were extremely thankful for that because uh, that was a kind of a lifeline. But we didn't have the budget that we had the previous years, mm-hmm. and, and that was – the challenge we had to make changes to be able to uh keep things afloat and keep working towards what we wanted to do absolutely and how did this affect the competition side of everything i mean obviously when you get mentally if you're in a better place you'll probably perform better um so like how did that affect that year and the, the subsequent years on kind of understanding the monetary isn't there so you have other things to think about other than just being the best athlete you can well we got cut and uh, after the 2014 season and it pissed everybody off and we came into that winter with anger. We mm. were pissed. We were hungry. We were yeah. ready to, to prove them wrong. And I think we did a, a good job with that because that next winter, 2015, I got a world cup podium. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother had a lot of good results. Uh, we had even better development with the youth athletes so we were we were happy where we were, and we were happy that we were getting better coming into the next seasons. Um, but yeah, like I said, I had that podium in in Sapporo, Japan that year, and that was kind of like, hey, we're still here, we're still mm-hmm. fighting, uh, and we're still able to get results regardless of not having a you know almost a million dollar budget for the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that was really tough, but I think that was kind of a, another big stepping point for our team was overcoming this hurdle and continuing to progress down the road, uh, for further competitions. Mm -hmm. And what does it mean to you knowing that there's that many people that are willing to fight for the sport you love, um, and really put everything on the line monetarily and, and physically, literally to, to make sure that you guys can keep doing what you're doing. I mean, you talk with any sports team and they talk about how it's a family and it's mm-hmm. a, you know, such a close knit group of people. Our sport in this country is above that. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a family. Um, we're, we're such a small group compared to a lot of nations because our nation's so big. We're so spread out that when we have events together, it really shows kind of how much we care about the sport. And that's the, the, the best thing. And, uh, we did a lot of, of fundraising and people reached out to family members and to relatives and, uh, companies that they knew and they did a good job providing the money for the teams to be able to compete and travel. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Some good people out there, man. 
Yeah. The news, the news always tells us about the bad ones, but there's some pretty good ones out there. And that's, that's great to know. So, um, so now as a part of USA Nordic, um, leading into the 2018 games, uh, what were your seasons leading up to that and how, how confident were you feeling rolling into that 2018 season? Unfortunately, the seasons, I didn't, I haven't had that, that great of a time, uh, these last couple of years I've struggled on the jump hill. They've made some rule changes, uh, and equipment wise that kind of hurt the smaller nations mm-hmm. but you know at the same time i was still there i was still fighting and trying to get good results i would have top 10s every once in a while i'd be in the top 30 on a regular basis um but i wasn't able to finally to fully you know get the grasp of the sport to get back on the podium mm-hmm. um and that's kind of frustrated me that's kind of been um my achilles heel is not having the success that I had maybe in 2013 where I was able to get on the podium and I was having good results. Um, but it kept me fighting and, and I kept putting in the work, uh, year after year. And, uh, I thought, uh, going in 2018, I was on track to have a good year and the summer went really well. Uh, but going into the winter, I had some, uh, bad luck and just, kind of lost track of the momentum um and wasn't on top of my game and when you're not on top of the game it it it's very tough to get that momentum and that Mm -hmm. that feeling back uh but really you know I wasn't that far off and and that gave me the belief to continue and that's kind of why I'm still here and but one of the big things that uh really motivated me was uh kind of going into that 2018 year, um, my father was diagnosed with ALS, uh, which is an absolutely terrible disease. Mm -hmm. And he asked me just to continue skiing. He asked both of my, myself and my brother just to do our thing, um, not to worry about him. So I was kind of doing it for myself, but also, you know, my dad was the one that got us into the sport, uh, along with my mother and, Mm -hmm. Uh, my dad was responsible for getting us on skis and my mom did a hell of a job financing the whole thing. Uh, but we wanted to have good results at the Olympics for him, um, because we knew that it was going to be a challenge for him. Uh, he was able to make it all the way over to the Olympics for us, uh, and watched it. Uh, and we knew that was a challenge. So we were honored to be there and, you know, really honored to represent him. That's incredible. And yeah. what, so, so this third time around, obviously you're skiing for much more than yourself. Um, yeah. That seems very, very apparent, but I mean, not many people get to go to three Olympics, man, especially two of that. Again, two with your brother like that. You yeah. are, you are uh, very much an outlier. So this third time around, especially considering now understanding everything that's going around, um, you, you know, what was that third time? Like, like what is, what is there more to do? Like what, what else can you see at this point? And how, how are you able to take that experience and help maybe some of the younger guys on the team understand what they'll be going through? Yeah. I mean, we, 2018 at the Olympics, we had a very young, young team across the ski jumping side and Nordic combined. So being the guy that had been to three Olympics, I kind of felt like I was the veteran, mm-hmm. but also, you know, my brother was the outspoken veteran being four years older than I am. But, uh, we were still there to do the same thing and that's to have the best results possible. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and if that means a medal, great. If it means a 10th place, great. But we were there to, to fight. And uh, I think we did a good job. Um, some of the younger kids jumped really well uh, on the ski jumping side, went pretty well uh, on the Nordic combined side. I know my brother kind of was in the fight a little bit. Uh, I wasn't that far off. And the young kids that we had on the team were, were doing well. So, you know, we were there to get medals. And unfortunately, we didn't necessarily win any. Mm-hmm. But uh, coming from a team that had just been cut from uh, a fully funded organization, mm-hmm. then having to raise yeah. a ton of money, qualifying, you know, five guys at the Olympics for Nordic combined was a, a huge success for the organization for USA Nordic and was a, a great way to continue pushing forward and, and having that success. Yeah. I mean, being able to kind of, I'm not going to say stick it to the other team, um, but to be able to kind of show that you guys are still there and you're still capable and it's like, Hey, look what you're missing out on. I think that that's super Super impactful, and uh, especially for again going back to the younger guys. Like you're, you're there. You're a mainstay on the team. You and your brother, you've been there forever. It feels like I'm sure to some of them and yeah. yourselves. Um, but to them to see, like, okay, we're almost. Uh, is validation a good word? No, it's a great word. Yeah, like to say, like, okay, cool. We are good. We're here now. We've gone through an Olympic cycle. We know what we're doing. We know what we're up against. I think that that's uh, super impactful and super important. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it goes a long way to say, like the the development pipeline for me is is the most important when i leave the team i want them to be yeah where i was when i got onto the team um leave it better than you found it right exactly and i think our team does a really good job of showing that and uh that's the the important thing is being able to really showcase that we're a, a team that's building constantly and we're we're getting closer and closer with every winner that comes it might take us a year longer than most teams, mm-hmm. but we'll get there. And when we get there, it's going to be hard for them to say uh, that we don't deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. I love it. Well, congratulations on all that. And I guess the third time around, what's the experience? Like, again, like going back to the experience aspect of it, cause I think that's such a cool, interesting part of it. Like, what is that like, like your third time there? I mean, it's, is it, is it ho-hum at that point or are you still no, fired still, up as the, the first two times? We don't go to the Olympics just to like spectate and have fun. We're there to do our job and oh, absolutely. win medals. But you have the times where you're okay. I'm going there to win medals. I'm, I'm solely focused on this event. When you go to a couple more, it's like you're there. You're able to have fun. You're mm-hmm. able to perform well. Uh, the pressure's a lot less, and so it's enjoyable. And for me, 2018 was for not having the best results. I had the most fun possible, mm-hmm. and I wasn't, you know, purposely trying to have fun because I wasn't having good results. It just it came natural to me, mm-hmm. and having family there um, was really special, and uh, that was that made it a lot easier just to enjoy the moment and, and forget about the bad results, but still to be able to focus on, on what was yet to come. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. That is incredible. Again, I don't believe in luck. You definitely earned it. And you've gone three yeah. times. I think that that's so, so cool, man. And um, so 
2022 question mark we're gunning for it right possibly yeah i mean that's uh that's a long ways away and uh it'll be here sooner we're already halfway through pretty much 2019 man we're almost there more three more seasons two more seasons than that that next season so Mm -hmm. um yeah as much as i i would want to um you know i'm kind of taking it year by year Mm -hmm. to make sure that i'm still having fun and i'm still making ends meet because you know, as much as I hate saying it's a job, it is a job. Mm-hmm. We are, we're hoping to make money doing this and our sport, it's hard to come by. Mm-hmm. And I mean, let's be honest, you have a pretty cool job at least, right? It's not one of those nine to five cubicle jobs. So it could be worse. Yeah, could exactly. A lot worse. But, um, so you brought it up. So let's just jump right into it. Monetary aspects. I mean, again, being on, uh, in a sport that you don't make a significant, significant amount of money in, at least here in the United States, going from, you know, then, then kind of creating another national governing body and understanding that you have to put even more forward. Um, what, what is that like and how, how, how much does that weigh and how much more difficult does it become knowing like, yeah, I think you deserve more. Everybody might think you deserve more, but you don't get it. Um, so like what, how do you, how do you deal with the monetary aspects? Not trying to ask how many dollars you make, but how do you make sure that all of that is, is well and kept? It's hard. Um, to put it this way, a B team athlete on us Alpine skiing is going to have to pay twenty thirty thousand dollars a year, mm. um, to be on the national team, to be fighting for their country, essentially. Um, and that's, that's very similar to what we are. Uh, obviously we've done a really good job to make sure that our athletes on the national team do, uh, do not have to pay as much. Um, but sometimes they're on the hook for, Ten to fifteen thousand dollars. You know, last year was one of the first years where I actually had to pay a a lot more money to be a part of the team because of a previous year where I didn't have a lot of success. Um, That becomes hard because now you have to go out and you have to find ways to raise money to support yourself, Um, and you know, to cover that say fifteen thousand dollar mark, you know, you're gonna have to work a job that job's going to get in the way of your training. So you have to balance that act very well. Fortunately for me, I was able to find a job that suited my training and that was training other athletes. So I was doing a lot of stuff in the gym that worked for my training. Um, and I was getting paid for it, but that also turned into a, a sponsorship. And, uh, it's essentially, I worked for a company called athletic Republic, which is a, uh, a fitness, you know, gym type class where we train, uh, adults as well as youth athletes, um, through a protocol driven type of training. And for me, that worked really well because I was able to work on what I needed to do in, mm-hmm. in yeah. these training classes. Um, but not everyone has the same opportunities. So, uh, we actually just had two kids go and sign up for what's called the world-class athlete program which is part of the national guard and they are actually away from the team for uh, a couple more months because they're in basic training mm-hmm. kind of like you are if you sign up for the military. But, uh, for them, this was a way to commit to another eight years of skiing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll get a, a monthly salary salary from the national guard, which is really cool. That's awesome. But the, the thing that people don't understand is, yeah, we're an Olympic sport, but we have regular seasons every single year, mm-hmm. um, every single weekend during the winter. And 
someone's going to have to pay for those. And if the national team can't cover it, then you have to cover it and we need to raise those expenses. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, man. It's, it's a, it's difficult to say the least. Um, you know, so hopefully, hopefully more people can hear your stories and others and and, then we can start funneling a couple more dollars towards the athletes specifically uh, to help pay for a lot of these things. So I'm doing all I can. I promise you that. So hopefully a couple (laughs) more people are as well. So no, we appreciate um, it. No, man. Absolutely. Um, so just a couple more. I know we've been doing this a little while now, but I'm having a blast and you're telling some great stories. So I'm not going to cut you off anytime soon until you say, Hey man, I gotta go. But, um, one, one thing, um, I know your brother, so you said your father was, uh, sick with ALS. Um, your brother as well, if I'm not mistaken, not ALS, but he had leukemia, correct? Correct. Yeah. My brother was, uh, diagnosed at the young age of four with acute, uh, lymphoblastic leukemia, ALL. Um, and at that time, you know, I was just born. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Four years older than I'm, so I didn't really know much about it, uh, and I didn't really know that he had actually suffered a stroke uh, halfway through his, his chemotherapy. Um, but when I finally kind of realized what was going on, I actually got a good sense of how fun this sport is and how much fun that he's having mm-hmm. while he's battling this deadly blood cancer um if he's having fun and he's smiling even the worst days for me are far better than Mm -hmm. any day he's having so he's he's a big hero in my my eyes um because he's done so much uh especially when he was a youth athlete having to go through what he is he had gone through um but then he's also kind of turned it around and uh has been a, a very big uh instrument for a lot of people uh, he co-founded a, a charity called CC Thrive, which was kind of targeting a aspect of something that isn't out there. And that was helping these uh, kids thrive after the fact that they've uh, gone through cancer and they're, they're healthy now, but progressing past that, you know, that point. Um, and so that was really cool. And he's helped out with a lot of other charities uh he recently just uh organized an event called uh shred for red which was helping the leukemia and lymphoma society here in utah uh and they raised a lot of money and had a a great event here at deer valley in in utah so he's been a a big hero in my eyes for many reasons and um that's uh truly appreciative Incredible, man. That is oof. from such a young age too. I mean, being able to deal with that and now just completely overcome it, go to the Olympic games twice. I mean, that is, that is a story in itself. Mm-hmm. So that's incredible. So hopefully, um, you know, hopefully he's, he's rocking and rolling, doing better. And, uh, that's really all we can ask for. Clearly he's doing well yeah. enough, right? It could yeah, be- it's actually, he's doing really well. That's um, awesome. And he was cancer free when he was like 10. And, mm-hmm. uh, so it's obviously been a long time, but he's, yeah. uh, kept that close to his heart and Mm -hmm. helped a lot of other kids that have been in that same spot. Yeah. Um, and he recently actually, uh, last Saturday graduated from college at Utah state and congratulations to go on to, uh, PA school. So, Mm -hmm. uh, we take a slightly longer path here (laughs) as, uh, athletes with this, the education system. Um, but having him be able to graduate and he graduated with, uh, honors, which is even more special. Good for him. Uh, he's uh, hoping to take the next step in his life with a, a career in, in uh, physician's assistant. So mm-hmm. that's uh, really special. Good for him. And I know you're you're in college currently, correct? Right? 
Correct. Yeah. I, uh, I attend the university of Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of going through the the business program right now. Mm-hmm. Utes, man. Let's do it. I love it. I love yeah. it. Get to any of those football games? Trying to. Yeah. Uh, I, I really want to, but we've been, we're always gone. Yeah. I was going to say you're, you're gone on the weekends. So uh, that's unfortunate. Um, yeah. and what are you, what are you majoring in and what are you trying to, um, you know, become? I'm still kind of deciding right now, but, uh, I'm looking towards either business marketing or business administration. Mm-hmm. And then I might go back and get a minor in like exercise science or uh, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. My options open. Um, But yeah, those are kind of the, the, the degree path that I'm looking at right now. Mm -hmm. And what are you trying to move into? Um, You know, one question I always like to ask, and I, I told you about this when we spoke at the beginning, you know, what's your, what's your career after your career? Uh, and how are you going to utilize those degrees and everything that you know from, from skiing um, in that? There's like, as a, a few for sure. Um, kind of like what you're doing, helping other athletes out with the funding aspect, becoming mm-hmm. kind of maybe a sports agent uh, for aspiring athletes, something along those lines. Um, I also, I'm pretty interested in, in the financial aspect, uh, the markets, uh, kind of the, the New York, you know, lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I, I, I appreciate very much having yeah. done an internship uh, in New York. Uh, I find it very, very intriguing. But, uh, you know, I, I got to find something that's really passionate and something that I can do and, and not get uh, sick of. And mm-hmm. absolutely, coaching is, is up there. Um, mm-hmm. But I also, I want to be able to feel successful in anything I do. And, and I, I got to find that next step that's really going to be uh, true for me. Mm-hmm. And, but until I'm done skiing, uh, my next step is to finish college and, and get that degree because there's no reason not to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get paid four times as much if you have a college degree. Like, yeah. That's a, a true fact, I guess. And uh, So I'm looking forward to finishing that up and I'm taking a full-time uh, a for a full course load for a skier coming into these next uh, couple semesters, and that'll help me progress through the college. And I think I've got about a, a year and a half left, so hopefully I can be done by then. Good luck, man. That's incredible. Congratulations on that. Um, that is super cool. Uh, I wish you the best, and I'm sure again, if you're able to do the endurance, just the endurance half of your sport, someone tells me you'll be very successful at whatever you want to put your nose to the grindstone to. So, Absolutely. Taylor, this has been incredible. Thank you so much, man. All your stories, all your insight, everything. I thought that this was going to be good, and I was 100% correct. So, one more time, Taylor Fletcher, USA Nordic combined, three-time Olympian, potentially four. We'll see what happens. Uh, Taylor, thank you so much for your time today, man. Thank you. Well, have a good Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Taylor Fletcher. As I said, a lot of wisdom, a lot of smarts, and he's just a very all-around cool, cool guy. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Make sure to go follow Taylor on all of his socials. Everything's in the show notes. Make sure to follow us at Our Athletes US on Instagram, at Our Athletes USA on Twitter. Check me out on LinkedIn, Michael Raziel. Uh, shoot me some feedback, Michael at OurAthletes.us. And check out the new website. It, we'd be, if it's not live yet as of this recording or as of this listening for you, um, it should be very soon. So very excited about the new website we have going up. Um, and yeah, thank you again to Launching Podcasts for giving us $50 off using promo code Mike at checkout. 
promo code Mike for $50 off at checkout, launchingpodcast.com. And other than that, sincerely appreciate it. Please like, subscribe, share, comment, do whatever you got to do. Just give me five stars on the iTunes store. I'd be severely, severely appreciative. So thank you so much and have a wonderful day. Thank you.